0: Comics, movies, music, video games, technology, Blu-ray, television. This is the HHW LOD Podcast Network. Let me see you just bouncing with
1: me. Just bounce.
0: is out now with aaron and abe i am aaron and as always this is abe what's up out now is a film podcaster as has abe and i discussing new movies weekly we also bring in a little discussion about the latest movie trailers box office results and predictions a callback to past films similar to the main film of the week games and other fun stuff this is episode 58 and the main film of the week is men in black 3 or MIB cubed. I think that's on the, the posters. because why, why, why not, right? And uh, joining us for this power-packed Memorial Day episode about that with there today, we have a writer for Fast Film Reviews and an alien whose planet of origin is the second largest moon of Saturn, Mark Hoven. Hey, everyone. We have the writer for Racked Focus and a man who's proudly been neuralized over 14 times, Maxwell Haddad. Hello. And our newest guest, we're another new, we got two new guests this week. Our, <clears throat> our other new guest that we're adding on to the OutNow stable of guests is the owner of his own personal galaxy, Jose Cordova. Hey guys, how's it going?
2: Doing well. All right. Everyone How is here. How do you know that He's... Max has been neuralized 14 times?
1: Are well, you I an I agent in it's black? All... I have um... a smile.
0: I'm more of a go-to guy. Hmm. Well, I, I don't know. I don't... <laughs> it doesn't, it doesn't... I told him and he was like I don't remember any of that and I was not. I don't kidding. remember any of that. <laughs> um, <laughs> Alright, so uh, you know what? I just it is Memorial Day. I just kinda pointed that out, but I didn't really point it out in the pre ship. But it's Memorial Day right now. Uh, or
1: tomorrow, but Memorial Day weekend. What?
0: Uh, before we even get to know everybody, if are we is anyone gonna watch any movie in particular for Memorial Day? Pearl Harbor. <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs>
2: Gotta honor the veterans. Just curious. Not in particular. No. Are you? Do, is there like a movie that you watch every year?
0: I might. Well, not every year, but I might watch a war movie just because, you know, I might watch like the Dirty Dozen mm. I haven't watched that in a while.
3: Mm. I might cool. watch uh, Gone with the Wind.
0: Okay. <laughs> you have a few hours to kill? Yeah. Just a couple. All right. So let's get some announcements. Here. Okay. So, okay. The biggest announcement we have so far, um, G.I. Joe 2 was moved this week. Shame. We were, I think we were all kind of excited to watch GI Joe Retaliation.
3: I definitely would. I would. W- what was the what was the reason why they moved it?
0: The official reason from Paramount is that they're converting the film to 3D. Now.
3: Oh no. Now, see, they say that now they moved
0: it all the way to March of 2013. That is a huge move. Now it's it's not like studios at Paramount just realized that 3D is popular or that <laughs> it makes money, so. I don't know what to think about this. I mean, if it doesn't come out, it's gonna come out in 3D, so they're going to do that. And obviously, yeah, it's gonna make more money because of well, it'll make. I don't know if it's gonna make more money than it would have in its summer slot position, but it's gonna make possibly more money because of the 3D upcharge. So we'll see. But I mean, the other the 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 more you know, curious speculations as to what's gonna change in the film because there must be something wrong with some of these test screenings that makes people want to, like, makes them want to hold it back for a while, or my other main theory is that Channing Tatum's become very popular, and they want <laughs> to kind of make, put him, make him more of a presence in the film, because, I mean, if you watch the trailer, it looks like he's kind of, you Not know, prepared, sitting this out right. after the first act, like, I don't know about him getting killed off, but, it, like, he, it looks like he's, he either gets, like, captured, or, you know, he's out, of, he's out of commission for a good chunk of the film, and, you know, make way for The Rock and Bruce Willis to tear it up, so... <laughs> Maybe they want to put him in the film more because he's you know suddenly a big thing this year, having you know two, well he more two big hit movies and then a couple other you know fairly decent successes in the first you know s- six months of the year already. So I don't know. The words out. Oh, I'm just upset that there's not going to be pork chop sandwiches this summer. That's that's what I'm.
4: <laughs> uh, I think you have a pretty good point because I mean if they were going to do 3D to begin with, I think John Chu kind of he has a pretty good track record of knowing what to do with that yeah, yeah and so see. if they were planning that from the beginning I don't see why, why they didn't just happen to you know do it from the
0: beginning yeah it's uh, it's the proximity to the release date that just baffles me it's like it's not like they just realized the I mean it just has to be something really bad with the movie I can't imagine because it's also a very crowded like release time because like Avengers is still out other movies are like you know what uh, Prometheus Madagascar all brave they'll all be out when this comes out
2: and then Spider-Man
0: comes out what three days later
2: yeah, so, that's where I stand, which is like, it's such a crowded summer that they probably thought, you know what, let's move it back. But I'm kind of surprised that they moved yeah, it back so far. But again,
0: yeah, but they and they moved it back now. Like, it's not like they just realized that these movies are all coming out. Like, they know what movies are coming yeah. that's out. That's how you schedule movies based you know, on what other movies are coming out.
3: The Avengers' success, though, might have taken them a, a bit by surprise and then realized, wow, it's really going to be hard. I mean, look at Battleship, which is kind of a similar movie. That tanked. I mean, it totally, it's, it's, it just did not do well at all. So I there's a good chance they probably looked at the success of Battleship, which I think, or lack of success and kind of thought our movie is kind of similar audience. Maybe we better move it.
0: Mark, the, the correct term is sunk, I believe, not tank. <laughs> oh, but, sunk. Uh, yes. blah, blah. <laughs> and, uh, I mean, with the Avengers though, it's not, they're also paramount. Well, they're Disney, but they're also paramount. But, uh, so maybe, maybe they're writing this one off where they don't really need it because, you know, Aventus paid a jillion dollars already. So they're like, well, we can take this loss, I guess. <laughs> but then again, studios, you know, they want money. So I don't, yeah, it's, yeah, it's it's mainly just how did this movie get this far along? And then suddenly they're like, oh, wait, it's very crowded this summer and we need 3D. Like it's, that's, it's a weird move. And yeah, it's a really far one. It's not like they moved it to August. They moved it all the way back to I to next it. March.
5: Shows a lack of confidence in the product, definitely. Which is de- which is
0: really unfortunate though, because I really think that were we all excited to see, or at least intrigued by enough by the trailer to be like, "This looks like fun," a fun summer yeah, movie. Yeah, of course.
5: Yeah, I thought the trailer was pretty yeah, great. I was
0: actually disappointed when I heard the news. I was too. I, I, I It's like The Rock make things better. That's what I've seen so far. <laughs> like, yes. Okay, so in relation to the uh, summer movie gamble that we, uh, Abe Mark myself adam and alan all participated in a few weeks ago where we predicted the uh what the top 10 films of the box office are going to be we all had gi joe somewhere in our lists and um because of its move obviously we have to change things around and the the fairest way we felt possible is to basically we're going to shift everything down one like wherever we had gi joe in our top 10 we're going to shift the, the list down so that we're just basically marking it off and then putting the next thing we had in its place and everything else falls in accordingly that's that's our solution to that problem. So anyone that was, everyone, anyone that, that saw the news of G.I. Joe 2 being moved to next March, it was like, what is out now with Aaron and Abe going to do? Because I'm sure many people just said that audibly out loud <laughs> like at their, while, while like reading the news on their computer at work. They're like, what? They spit out their coffee and they're like, what is out
1: now with Aaron and Abe going to do?
3: I think that's the first thing they thought. That's what so, I did. That, yeah, <laughs> so, was that not the headline? I thought that's what
0: it, it was. It was. It said G.I. Joe retaliation to move to move to march out now of a name question marks that's what it said. <laughs> it said it said that in the uh the it said that the san francisco chronicle and the uh the new york post and the oc weekly it was those three those three <laughs> things
3: uh so
0: yeah that's our solution to the problem so yeah we'll uh
2: We'll just have to go from there. That's Aaron, eight. when are
3: you going to announce what everybody picked as their additional pick? I can do it now oh, if you want.
2: <laughs> I have to think about mine. Uh, cool. Sounds good. You, haven't, you don't have to think about yours. You yeah, I know, you already ten, have it. But I wasn't sure which order there would
0: be. Hey. I mean, let's see. I had. Okay, I had. Well, my new number 10 is not Madagascar. Oh. Um, let's see. Adam Gentry's new number 10 would be Prometheus uh abes your your was will be snow white <laughs> alan i haven't I haven't heard back from alan yet because i only have well it'd be it'd be one of his dark horses but he doesn't have like an order for anything so it'd be either ted born or expendables and mark yours would be ice age it's pretty strong number 10 so you know we'll see all right so that's well, wow, that that's a lot of to talk about gi joe because we we're all disappointed Everyone else gets to suffer now too because we, we're not going to record our GI Joe commentary. Ah, oh, shucks. So now, I, now I have time to, to look over GI Joe again, you know, in high scrutiny and <laughs> you know, really analyze the film before we delve into the, the deep details of it. So, all right. So that was out of the way. Let's get to. Uh... Well, for, you know, again, iTunes reviews and ratings. Oh, if you want to hear more banter about our sadness for G.I. Joe too, <laughs> help support our show by providing an iTunes or rating. It's really simple. Plug on iTunes, takes a couple seconds, give us a star rating or even a simple sentence, and, you know, helps out the show, promotes it. It's nice to do. Makes us feel happy. Makes Abe not sleep with, you know, terrors at night. Night terrors are Ava. a huge problem with children under 11. Right. <laughs> exactly. And he is a, desperate, he is a desperate, desperate fear of cobras, so it doesn't help. <laughs> Okay, so let's let's get to know everybody. Each week we uh, we play a little game called Know Everybody where we ask each other a few questions and help set the tone for this podcast. Better getting to know everybody. I'm gonna I'm gonna let Mark
3: start this one off this week. Okay, let's see. I'll go with Abe. Yes. Who is the fresher prince? Will Smith or the musician prince? Ooh.
2: Well, if black don't crack, then it's gonna be Will Smith.
3: Yeah. Oh, you just stole Aaron's thunder.
0: <laughs> Only I am allowed to say that too.
2: Okay? Uh, in, in paraphrasing Aaron, black don't crack. <laughs> that's not even a paraphrase. That's just like a direct phrase. Anyway, it's hey, got to yeah. be Will Smith. Y- you, you can say yellow don't. <laughs> don't that's- well, if yellow don't mellow, or, then I'm not sure what Prince is. Sometimes he likes a little yellow.
3: <laughs> I must also say that pale don't grow stale.
2: Uh-oh.
3: Oh. 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 Hello. <laughs> <laughs>
2: Uh, I would go with Will Smith. Plus, he sang, he sang uh, The Fresh Prince of Bel Air on the Graham Norton show not too long ago with the I crowd. Saw that that yeah. was good. That was
5: really good. I yeah. saw that show notes,
2: actually. Um, Alright, Maxwell. Which actor do you think would be a fun cameo as a Men in Black agent? Well.
5: Why not Gary Busey? <laughs> <laughs> the guy who's been there like 27 times.
3: Well, he's like halfway there. Remember Predator 2? <laughs> <laughs>
5: I think he already is a bit of black.
3: Yeah, they wouldn't have to use many uh, makeups for him. Or...
5: No, he's all he's all set.
3: Yeah, yeah he's really set. <laughs> Predator
0: 2 is on our commentary list, by the way. But he dies I'm
3: in Predator saying.
5: 2. I, I'm just saying, it's on our commentary list. We should do that instead of G.I. Joe. <laughs> Okay, um, let's go with Aaron. Yep. Uh, what is your favorite film by Barry Sonnenfeld? Get Shorty would be my answer to that one.
0: Uh, I'm a big Get Shorty fan, um, but I will give support to Adam's Family Values because that movie is really funny, and the uh, the First Man in Black is you know I really enjoy that movie. Still, I just rewatched it this week actually for obvious reasons. But yeah, Get Shorty that movie. I, I I'm a fan of I'm a fan of Elmore Leonard in general and i like that i like that movie i like how it was adapted to the screen i don't
3: like be cool which was not directed by barry seinfeld but that's the sequel i don't think anyone likes be cool yep i uh, <laughs> it's... although be cool did have the rock in it
5: it did, uh, it did early, early Rock. early that rock. is one that's one sequel that was not made better by the presence of the rock I,
1: yeah, I'll get, damn it
0: there goes there goes my entire thesis I was writing. <laughs> you wrote <laughs> <a> thesis. <laughs> <laughs> no. God! Remember Be Cool? Does anyone remember that movie? Because I was I was like real I was excited for it at the time when it was coming out. I was like yeah all right get shorty sequel that that sounds like a, a decent it, oh that sucked okay yeah, it, it I is. remember
5: two things about it. They tried to rip off the dance scene from Paul Fiction, and for some reason I remember Seth Green acting like a douchebag. <laughs> Is that what he was always like, almost? <laughs> I mean, pretty much. I after, <laughs> it was the first time I really hated Vince Vaughn in a movie,
0: which that's that's annoying me. When you make me hate Vince Vaughn, then I, then I get mad. In that movie, you hate Vince
3: Vaughn. <laughs> yeah, I didn't, yeah. Right. It was, uh, Vince Vaughn, he was in that, what was that one with um, Jennifer Aniston, where they played, was it The Breakup? The breakup? I didn't yeah. care for him in that. I him. Well,
2: I don't like Jennifer Aniston. Oh. Yeah, your hate for Jennifer Aniston is like, top notch thanks Aaron. <laughs> 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 okay,
0: okay. Um, jose yes which will smith film could have benefited from one of his songs at the end besides this film
1: hmm. <laughs>
0: <laughs> that's i i would have loved to hear well
4: uh i guess it wouldn't work as well at the in the ending but uh I would have loved to hear a sick Will Smith track uh, at the end of I Am Legend. That's
5: what I was thinking, too. <laughs> <laughs> yes. I think,
4: that, I think, you know, I Am Legend just kind of lends itself very well to yeah. Will Smith rapping about how he's a legend.
2: I was thinking that exactly. That's why I was laughing earlier. I was like, the first thing that comes I, to my head is I Am Legend. It'd have to be, the
0: like, the alternate ending where he—spoilers—where he, spoilers, where he yeah, lives. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. So I was like, like, I don't know. Like he's driving off of Alice Braga, and the I Am Legend theme song just pops <laughs> into the background. <laughs> it's really upbeat song. Or <laughs> right. well, he could
4: you know, he could release it posthumously like Tupac.
2: <laughs> it was just hidden in his computer
0: files. I mean, be, all you have to do is like, take a sample of some other song and just put him top.
2: Yeah. Just like <laughs> yeah. Tupac.
0: I don't like disrespecting his song, but I I mean that's based, that's what he's done in, like for all his other raps since since after he's you know left the Friends fresh Prince rain, it's all samples. Yeah. I like yeah. a lot of songs, but I mean <laughs> Whatever yeah,
2: happened right.
0: to Jazzy
2: Jeff? Well, he, he um, got less jazzy. He
0: DJs. He DJs. Yeah. He's around. So, Mark,
4: who. Okay, so I really liked Josh Berlin in this movie, but who is your favorite uh, celebrity impressionist?
0: Like, oh, which, like, which celebrity does a good impression of another yeah, celebrity? Yeah, impression of someone else, yeah.
3: This was a long time ago, but I, I always was kind of. I always kind of liked Christian Slater's impression of Jack Nicholson. That's and and he has kind of a he even kind of sort of suggests him like if they ever had jack nicholson going back in time uh i thought that christian slater would be a good example of somebody who could kind of play him so i i'd go with him
4: that is a good one
0: i had not thought of that that actually fits really well
5: that is good. i have
0: uh my, my answer would be matt damon as matthew mcconaughey It's <laughs> 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 a good one have you ever seen that clip of him just doing yeah. matthew mcconaughey it's it's like on the Daily it Show. Oh, not the Daily Show. It's like, um, it's like yeah. on Kimball.
3: Yeah. yeah, yeah. It's pretty funny. <laughs> okay, um, Jose, if right. Men in Black Four starred Will Smith's son, Jaden Smith, would you go see it? Well, he's older now, isn't he? Yeah, like, I... I was thinking like if he played Will Smith as a younger man, and had to star in it.
4: Uh, you know what? I think I'd give him the benefit of the doubt. I actually kind of enjoyed Karate
0: Kid. Yeah, I enjoyed Karate Kid. Yeah. You know, the only time I've disliked Jaden Smith was in that um, that Day the Earth Stood Still <laughs> the remake. <laughs>
4: they'd need a huh? I wonder if they'd, they'd get someone else to be a teenage Tom Lee Jones. Can we get like a young Sherlock?
0: It'd just be Josh Rowland. <laughs> on, on his knees.
4: <laughs> on his knees.
0: Uh,
4: Abe. Yes. Uh, what is your favorite, I guess for lack of a better word, threequel. So
2: the third movie in a series? Dark Knight Rises. Franchise. Yeah, hands down. <laughs> <laughs> you're based <sound> on absolutely nothing <laughs> but into the future. Yeah. <laughs> i've seen it before yeah I, i've time
3: traveled. <laughs> time jumps. that's a really good question i i actually would like to answer that one too find may. yeah you
2: should go for it i would just off the top of my head i would think well i guess i don't know i mean the first thing that comes to my head is back to the future three but that's because i was thinking back to
3: the future
0: last crusade and return of the jedi
2: that's oh right? yes okay yeah, right. like the classic yeah genres. return of the jedi
0: Mark, what are you thinking?
3: Uh, the Return of the King, Lord oh, of the Rings. Yeah, there you yeah. go. But, but uh, I'll give like, you, I have like a couple the, others. The, uh, the first one, a lot. Fellowship. So The Return of the King, The uh, Return of the Jedi is an excellent choice. And, and uh, I thought Toy Story 3 was really yep. good, too. Oh,
5: that's a good one. Yeah, that's what I would have yeah. gone for.
3: Damn.
5: all
2: Everything's better than Back to the Theater 3.
5: Yeah.
3: <laughs> <laughs> Back to the Future 3 was better than the second one, though, so i give you
0: that. (laughs) Back to the the Future 3 is like a chore for me to watch every time. It's more like, oh, I just got to finish this now since I watched the first two. (laughs) (laughs) But did you like the second one? I really liked the second one a lot, actually. Really? I think it's it's really clever.
3: I was really disappointed. I just was disappointed with that.
0: And for a while, I liked the second one more than the first one just because I watched the first one so much that I got kind of sick of it for a while. So I was like, I really like the second one. And because, yeah, I, I know that now. I'm older. I'm wiser. <laughs> but, you know, the second one, you need more power.
2: What? <laughs> 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 all
1: right.
2: Um, Aaron, what do you think happened to Frank the Pug?
0: Oh. I, well, Abe, I believe, I think we all know that all dogs go to heaven. Oh, <laughs> Charlie, I miss you. <clears throat> Did you notice there's not one but two references to yeah, Frank? Yeah, I saw in that. I was like, oh, these are cool Easter eggs. I love that painting. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, I love I love Will Smith's apartment where he just has this giant painting of Frank oh, above yeah. his head. Yeah, <laughs> and that you know honestly that made, that may be <laughs> more sad than like than Zed being dead. <laughs> like, they, had to, <laughs> they had to give you a reason why Bruce
2: Horns <laughs> in the movie. <laughs> Besides his jail time. Yeah, well no one wants to do <laughs> that <laughs> ugly mess. But
1: just, just the idea of like Frank like being
0: in the background to like clearly die. Like oh that's kind of sad. <laughs>
2: <laughs> I guess it was a fitting tribute.
5: All right, here we go. Maxwell, yes.
0: What is your favorite film that heavily utilizes practical makeup effects?
5: Oh, that's tough. Oh, gosh. Um, for some reason, Galaxy Quest is coming to mind.
0: That's not a bad choice. That's. I mean, there's some really cool effects in that movie. Yeah,
5: like, there's some really good makeup in, in terms,
0: that. Yeah, in terms of makeup, yeah.
5: I was thinking of The Thing, John. Or,
0: the thing there you go oh, yeah, yeah that's, that's
2: a good choice. i remember seeing that movie and i was like what the hell is going on to
0: clarify abe you remember seeing that movie for the first time yeah, last year, like you know seven months okay. ago <laughs> <laughs> which is, which speaks well to how well the thing holds up true that we're watching it for the first time and being impressed by how great the makeup is in that movie which it is
3: would, would you count uh, american werewolf in london is that yes yeah, 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 sure. okay. okay i think that's a really good one. That's groundbreaking. I mean, that's. Yep,
5: that is a good show. Now I'm upset with my answer.
3: <laughs> <laughs> that's <laughs> a good answer.
4: A-, a will take care of it in the, in the edit. That's <laughs> <so> okay. <laughs>
5: He'll just dub over your yeah. voice. Suddenly, my voice sounds very different. Very different. Okay, Aaron, what is your favorite alien character in any film? In any film, alien
0: character? I'm a big Predator fan. The first Predator, well, Predator in general. So I'm going to probably say Predator just because I really like. I I'm intrigued by all of that that goes into him his the vision, the weapons that he has, the, his the concept of him. Um, the thing's a good answer too, but I mean, we, we have no frame. That's that's more that doesn't really prey off what that care what that character looks like because you don't really it's everything. So, uh, yeah, in terms of aesthetics and overall design, I'd say the Predator. But what are other ones that I can think of offhand? It's a good choice. Uh yeah I, I I like it um yeah I'll just stick with Predator aliens cool too the idea of a thing with a mouth inside its mouth and acid for blood that's all you know that's cheating that's not too sh- that's not too shabby <laughs> all right cool so I think we are done now of no everybody and that's how you that's how you do that's how you play it so let's uh let's move on to our movie trailer talk where we discuss a couple of the latest movie trailers out of you know released this past week and we have two that have released this past week the first we're going to talk about is skyfall the new 007 james bond film from which still stars daniel craig as james bond and is from director sam mendes of all choices that's there you go and this film of course is another james bond film we have very little details in terms of plot but i think M's going to be heavily involved in this one and James Bond looks very angry and shoots things. I think that's the trailer in a nutshell, right there. Ray finds co-stars. Done. So, with all that said, <laughs> um, <laughs> let's start with let's start with Jose. How do you feel about this trailer and like Daniel Craig and General as Bond and whatnot?
4: I thought the trailer th- trailer was pretty good. Um, they showed some good stuff. There was some definitely cool looking action in there. Um, there was a lot of Daniel Craig like pouting and <laughs> just looking very dour. Um, I don't know. It looks uh, it looks uh, looks fun, and I guess fun in the way that it looks kind of really
0: serious. <laughs> were you were you a fan of the of him in as Bond or? Uh,
4: I really liked Casino Royale. Um, I didn't hate on Quantum of Solace as
0: much as like I guess the general reaction was. As I will in the next few minutes. Yeah, go on.
4: <laughs> <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, I I actually like him. I think he has this like uh. I don't know, this seriousness to him, I think, lends itself to Bond really well, because he can be kind of mysterious and charming at the same time.
5: Uh, Maxwell. Uh, I love the trailer. I think visually it's really impressive, which uh, you can expect when you have Roger Deakins on board. Um, and, you know, like you were alluding to, bringing Sam Mendes to do a Bond film is a really uh, audacious choice. Um, and what I liked about Casino Royale was that it did take itself so seriously, and I think Quantum dropped the ball, so I'm hoping that this can... Um, be a fitting uh, counterpoint to, to Casino Royale. Uh,
3: Mark? Um, yeah, I think you know what the trailer does uh, announces a new Bond film, and I, you know, I think it definitely instills a lot of excitement for the new film. I don't think the trailer really gives away m- too much of anything, it, other than the fact that a Bond film is coming out and some of the people that are in it. Um, I do like the title a lot better than Quantum of Solace. First of all, Quantum of Solace is one of the worst titles I think ever given to a film. Um, it just doesn't—it doesn't even make me want to see it. But Skyfall, you know, it kind of reminds me of other James Bond titles like Thunderball, GoldenEye, things like that. And um, yeah, I, I forget who said it, but the—it is—it does look a little darker. I mean, kind of—that's sort of the trend now with the James Bond films is—is is to be a little bit more not so you know silly and more. Uh, quite serious um but yeah I'm, I'm definitely optimistic about the the film
2: abraham <laughs> first things first i was pretty sold when i saw ray Fiennes. i was like oh wow ray Fiennes in this movie awesome um and I'm, you gotta wonder why why is he being interrogated in that beginning scene uh so i'm actually really interested it looks pretty cool I, I think that uh what they did with the music cue at the end i was really digging that a lot which is you know yeah. I was, it sounded almost like mm-hmm. it was a uh, they're putting all these cuts into it, which was pretty cool. But uh, I did like Casino Royale. I'd never really watched uh, Quantum of Solace. I kind of just skipped through just to watch uh, the exciting scenes, I guess. Um, Where were those? You well, the, the chase scene <laughs> in the beginning.
0: Okay, I I'm just gonna start yeah. going now because I really, I don't, I don't, I don't, I won't say I hate Quantum of oh, Solace, you hate it. but I don't, no, I don't hate it, but it was my biggest disappointment of that year. There's those are two different things. Um, because that movie had set, Quant, Casino Royale was such a fun movie. It was such it was such a it was I don't I don't say it's the best Bond movie because I have other ones I like more, but it's a really good Bond movie and it like it has amazing action in it. And Qu- Quantum of Solace just ruined all of the good faith I had that was built up by Casino Royale. The action is terrible in Quantum of Solace. You cannot tell anything that's happening in that movie. It's just really poor. Like that chase scene at the beginning. I have no idea what's happening in that chase scene. I feel like Bond dies like three times in a car before I realize, oh, he's still alive. It's just, it's so horribly uncomprehensible. And there's all this, and like, I like seeing action movies. We've talked about every action movie recently. We talked about the Raid so much, but the action's so, but there's so much of it, and it's so bad in Quantum of It's just, That's because uh, he's so it,
2: sad that he's going on this weird bender
0: it's just this weird like it's it's supposed to be a bond movie it's supposed to be fun and it's not it's just dour the whole time and it feels it's like shot like a born movie but just not done very well and i don't want to see a born movie i want to see bond i want to see a bond movie I Want to see bond and there's just nothing bond
3: about quantum of solace i guess you could say that and, and comparing bonding it with him to, <laughs> shut up man. what mark
1: or this,
3: <laughs> comparing it to a born film too is like giving it too much because the born films are generally quite good but yeah, yeah i know exactly yeah. what you mean it's it's, it's sort of, like, wants to be something else, and it really needs to just own the fact that it's a James Bond flick and, and enjoy that.
0: Exactly. Like, I, I was fine with Casino Royale, how it kind of shook up the, the the formula, how it kind of stripped away some of the things that make up some of the more classical Bond films. But then, Quantum of Solace just kind of, like, did that even more, where it just, there's well, nothing, there's nothing... There...
3: Go. Where are the gadgets? Yeah, like, no ga- I want yeah. gadgets. I mean, this is James Bond. I mean, I don't care how much you reinvent Bond. You need to have gadgets. And it didn't even seem like it was Bond.
0: Yeah, it was. I was upset by that movie. So with all that said, all that out of the way, I really like this trailer for <laughs> Skyfall. I've watched it several times. It's just a minute to 20 minute, 20 second trailer. But yeah, I really like the trailer for Skyfall. I think Sam Bende is what I the only thing I can go off of is I like Road to Perdition enough. He, there's some action in that movie. So, <laughs> it, him and yeah, like as uh, I believe Maxwell said, uh, Roger Deakins, uh, that the, that combination right there, at least is going to be a very good-looking film. I can go with that, and yeah, you have a pretty good cast here. You have um, Daniel Craig and Ray Fiennes, Judy Dench, Javier Bardem's in this film as the villain, I believe. Mm-hmm. Albert Al, Albert Finney's in this movie. There's a lot of uh, Naomi Harris, I believe, is the Bond girl this time around. A few, a few other, there's a few women in this movie, but yeah, I mean, there's. It's so a lot of good things going on so far, and as long as it, it, I hope it feels better than being like an extended third act of Casino Royale, like the, which is what Quantum Solace was basically, and you know less grieving Bond and more Bond, you know kicking ass and having a license to kill and having fun. Yeah, we'll see. I I'm excited. It's on IMAX apparently, so that's something, right? Mm. <laughs> it's not in <laughs> <laughs> three D. So Skyfall comes out November 9th, two thousand twelve. We'll uh, see. The next trailer we have is for *The Great Gatsby* Lerman style. Um, Baz Lerman has come to direct *The Great Gatsby*, the very popular in high school English classes book, uh, set in the 1920s, based around this guy Gatsby. He's you know rich and stuff, and he has a mysterious past, and he you know pines over this one woman. Um, the film has Leonardo DiCaprio, Carrie Mulligan, and Tobey Maguire, all looking very young especially Tobey Maguire. Tobey Maguire looks like he's, like, right out of high school in this movie. And it's in 3D. Okay, good. I forgot about that. Just, just, <laughs> it, are, Gatsby, it, really? The great, yeah, The Great Gatsby's yeah. in 3D, yes. So, mm. with, with Mark, what do, you, what do you think about The Great Gatsby?
3: I like Baz Luhrmann, and I, I think what he brings to uh, his adaptations is kind of his style, and I don't think that this movie is going to appeal to F. Scott Fitzgerald fans. I think it's going to appeal to... Baz Luhrmann fans, and I, I liked uh, Moulin Rouge, um, I, I think he does have a tendency to kind of mangle and, and manipulate stories just to suit his own visual style, but I, I think I'm okay with it, I, I think anything, I don't know if any of you have ever seen the 1974 version of The Great Gatsby with Robert Redford, yeah, but it's a total, total snooze fest. Yeah, yeah, it's
0: it's quite it's, it's not much yeah not much energies in that movie <laughs> right but that's what happens when you have Sam Waterston as Nick Carraway so
3: <laughs> and and I guess uh Toby Maguire is playing the the role in this movie that's a little bit of hmm I'm not really sure what to think of Toby Gu- Maguire in that part but um you know it, it's got the he's using uh his modern music I, the, it starts out with a Kanye West Jay Z song the and then it goes the same, in- the same song used in the Safe House trailer which. Was kind of weird.
0: to Kind be. of
4: a
3: weird coincidence, is that right? <laughs> and then I think it goes into a a Jack White song. Uh, it looks very stylish, and it's kind of exactly what I would expect of Baz Luhrmann. So I, I'm definitely down for seeing it.
0: Have we all read The Great Gatsby? Yeah. yeah. Yes. Has anyone has anyone not read The Great Gatsby?
3: Nine year olds. Because
0: uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it seems like it seems like it's high it's, school reading it's, for everybody. It's one
3: of those books, you know, like of mice and men or something. I think like yeah, everyone yeah. is almost wired to. Yeah. Okay.
5: Um, uh, Maxwell, what do you think? You know, The Great Gatsby is one of those books that is really difficult to probably adapt to film. It doesn't really lend itself to that. Um, so when you hear that Baz Luhrmann is going to be doing it, you kind of have, or at least I did, had an image in my head of what to expect in the trailer. It's dead on with with that image. It almost looks like Moulin Rouge 2, which I'm not going to complain about because I love Moulin Rouge So I could see how purists of The Great Gatsby and Fitzgerald would be a little, you know, taken aback. And I saw a lot of outcry on Twitter that it looked horrible. But, I mean, I have to say the trailer looks incredible, very stylish. Um, I think he's taking opulence to a new level that very few films I've seen have done. Um, I look forward to it. I don't think it's necessarily going to be, you know, a pure adaptation of the novel, but I think it's going to be a really exciting film to watch. Um, especially in 3D, because I know they screened some of the 3D at CinemaCon in Las Vegas recently, and I heard nothing but but positive things about the 3D. It, I don't usually like 3D, but in this case... It,
0: it, that makes sense. That, like for, for Baz Luhrmann, it does not surprise me that this movie's in 3D. Like It seems like that's something that can almost enhance his style. I'm not saying that the, move, <laughs> that the great Gatsby needs to be in 3D, but a new Baz Luhrmann film in 3D doesn't surprise me. It makes me kind of curious to see how that looks, because it's another case of kind of a a particular auteur, you know, using the latest technology to apply to his own style and see how that works out. Um, I wouldn't have thought that Martin Scorsese could make the best 3d film ever made, but he has and it like it, that intrigues me. Like, so seeing again, seeing someone with a very particular style makes me want to makes me very curious. That said, I also like bad. I, okay. So I've yet to see Moulin Rouge. I that's really no. it's, what I know. I know wow. it's, a, it's a weird one huh. not to have seen, but it's on my list of movies I have not seen, and it's it's been on my queue in Netflix for a long time. But I'll probably yeah, finally see it this year. It's since this movie. it's
3: yeah. frantic. I mean, it's it's uh, one of these films I can see where someone would uh, watch Mulan Rouge. It has a pretty good reputation, but I, I could see where someone would watch it and not like it.
0: I, yeah, I know, and I've, I've I've seen bits of it and stuff, and I'm like, I want to see all of this movie at some point. I just never have. I, but I do like uh, I do like Romeo plus Juliet. Yeah, <laughs> like uh, I, I, I like, I like a lot of Australia. I'm not, I'm not a huge fan of Australia, but I like the the early half of Australia before it goes all gone with the wind. Yeah, I, I, I'm a fan of Baz Luhrmann's style in general. Like, I, it's not like he's not my favorite director or anything, but like, I, I, I like what he brings to films. Like, it's certainly it's a neat kind of way to approach things. And if this movie, you know has that craziness and possibly john leguizamo as tybalt i'll be very intrigued by what the great (laughs) answer (laughs) is but but no i mean i yeah i i'm a fan i'm a fan of like 20s like 20s kind of set movies and never like early period movies so like that that has me excited for it just because i get to see all this like wild production design everything going on the the trailer did enough to be like all right i could get behind this movie i'll see it when it comes out but like Yeah, the use of of, uh, of contemporary music for this trailer all kind of – it fit for Blurman, but like – That's expected, yeah. Yeah, it was expected, but at the same time, like, it comes back to that damn Safe House trailer where, like, that movie was so identifiable by using that particular song that I was like, well, it's not like they just heard this music. Like, they could have chosen any number of songs to put in the trailer, but, I mean, that's more blaming on trailer editing and not the film itself, so it doesn't really – Take me out of it too much. So, uh, yeah, I'm excited to see The Great Gatsby mainly because it Lerman style is intriguing to me. The fact that it's in 3D is like, oh, that's neat, I guess. But you also have Leonardo DiCaprio and Carrie Mulligan and Tony McGuire, not to mention Joel
2: Edgerton and Isla Fisher. Like, there's a lot of people in this movie. So, yeah, uh, I'm looking forward to it. Abe? You guys have basically mentioned everything, but when I first saw the trailer with uh, the Kanye West song, I was like, is this for real? Like, literally, I was thinking, this can't be the real trailer. This has to be a joke. Um, but as it went on, I was like, all right, yeah, I'll buy into it. And it, it is really flashy. And again, I've seen my share of Baz Luhrmann movies, and I enjoy them. Um, so I'm kind of down with it. But at the same time, I was just thinking, wow, this is going to be a crazy production for The Great Gatsby. And again, Mark, you brought up the uh, the Robert Redford version. And I was like, it's so different. Like, it would be, I don't know, it, it, it's almost as if it's like a, it's like G- The Great Gatsby on LSD or something like that. So it's very yeah, colorful. you know, It's very Baz Luhrmann-y. Um, I'm sure that there'll be like a slow motion scene where it looks really intriguing, but if if what Maxwell said is true, then it's gonna be pretty good, and I'm kind of holding out, but at the same time, I'm kind of willing to buy into it.
0: Frank did the screenplay for the 1970s Great, Great Gatsby. Oh, okay.
2: Oh. Just putting that out there.
0: Anyway,
1: I still uh, don't like it. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Jose, what uh, what'd you think?
4: Um, yeah, I mean, I don't know. There's not much else to say. I think you guys have covered most of it. For some reason, I got this weird like 1920s Project X vibe just because of like all the the crazy party that opens the trailer. I think, <laughs> <laughs> which is kind of a weird place to go, I guess. But um, yeah, no, it looks. I mean, it looks like a really good looking film. I, I guess I'll say, yeah, Buzz Lerman has that that style of his that just kind of makes everything really flashy and at least fun to watch, if nothing else.
0: Right, well, the uh, the Great Gatsby opens on Christmas this year, December twenty fifth. So, right after we see Django Unchained, I'm just sure we'll, we'll jump right into. Uh... <laughs> the great
5: That's a great double feature. That's my plan.
4: My... <laughs> <laughs> oh, can I say that I love Joel Edgerton's mustache? It's so like weird and interesting. No, oh,
1: you can't. Okay, <laughs> <laughs> yes,
0: yeah. yeah, so it it looked like it looked like quite the mustache. <laughs> You know what? Let's let's mention this because we haven't mentioned it, it since it's came out. The uh, did ever has anyone seen the Anchorman two trailer?
2: Yes. T- yes. Uh,
0: are we excited for Anchorman two?
2: Yes. In a very goofy way.
5: No. Anyone else? No. Max, is that Max? I'm not just because I I can't think of any comedy sequel that works for the most part because comedy is is about the unexpected and surprises and when you know these characters and coming back for a second time, they have to. If they do something radically different from the first one, it could work, but I'm very skeptical.
4: You had a good point about, about that, about the sequels, but I think that I love these characters enough that I'm willing to give them a chance, at least.
3: You know, I think the original is fine. I, I don't, like, raise it up as, like, the greatest comedy, and I don't quote the dialogue and all that, but, I mean, the original is it was it was mildly funny, and I got some laughs out of it. So the sequel, I guess I'm I'm not, like, super excited about it, but if, if it, uh, you know, seems to be good, I'll, I'll, I'll take a, a watch of it, I guess.
0: Maxwell, I'm kind of, like, I'm, I'm sort of in the same boat of view, where, like, yeah, it's a sequel to a comedy that's already quite revered in certain circles, and, yeah, it'd be hard to sequelize a movie like this just because it seems so, you know, why? But um, at the same time... I get a really big smile on my face when I see Ron Burgundy on screen. I don't Like, it just naturally happens. And I'd like to think that these guys are smart enough where they can at least develop, where they know that they're, like, I don't think they're going to hang over to it, where they're just going to just repeat everything <laughs> and, like, kind of go the easiest route possible by making, like, the jokes that everyone wants to hear, like, just have Brick say things that are hilarious, like, just, just non-sequiturs just for the sake of doing it. Like, I think they're smart enough to kind of know how to approach something like this but i am still you know we have to wait and see see if they deliver on that so
5: yeah i remember hearing a couple years ago because you know they've been threatening you know to make this movie for a long time that they were going to do <laughs> it Broadway first as a musical and then adapt that and that would have been really interesting to see these characters singing and dancing and you know that would have been an interesting twist and i wish they had done something like that but you know, we'll see. The, the teaser is just that; it's not any footage from the movie, so maybe it is a musical.
3: You know, I, I was just trying to think of good comedy sequels, and I, I can just I can name lots and lots of bad ones or ones that were yeah. kind of meh. But I can't think of anything that's really good.
0: I'm trying to yeah, I'm trying to think of some too. I uh, like see some good ones too, because I can't think of <laughs> I can think of comedy sequels. That's for sure. But
3: yeah, know. I can think of lots of comedy sequels, but see, Porky's 2 the next day, right? Is that... <laughs>
5: Usually the, the comedy sequels at work are, are ones that also fit strongly into other genres as well. Like, you know, an animated comedy, Toy Story 2 is great, but that, you know, is not just a traditional comedy. Oh,
3: yeah, right. I wasn't even thinking of animated, but...
0: I, I could I could argue for Bill and Ted's Bogus Journey. I think that's a solid movie.
3: I, I think I liked Austin Powers' The Spy Who Shagged Me. I think I liked that one. See... I'm, I liked that one at the
0: time but like every time i get back i was like eh, this movie's not very good like it has that it follows the, it follows the steeple rule of doing everything bigger opposed to doing everything kind of new where it just I, it's the same thing again but just somewhat different and with a bigger budget i think i
3: like the naked gun two and a half also i, I think i got enough laughs out of that to say that's, it was yeah, decent
0: that's fine hmm. um what else? i don't think i well no i can't count evil dead two because evil dead's not really it's not really, it's First Evil. That's not really a comedy. A European Vacation.
5: <laughs> well, Christmas, <clears throat> Christmas Vacation. Christmas Vacation. Just technically a sequel, and that's good. Short Circuit Two. Is that, is that... <laughs> <laughs> No. <laughs> oh, look who's talking to. Is that? Is that? Yeah.
0: Teenage <laughs> Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Secret. Yo, like Adam's
5: family. Adam's family. I'm a values. big fan of Secret of the Years. Adam's family. Values. That's. I, heard, I
0: think that's superior to
4: Adam's family.
5: Yeah.
4: So that was one out of how many what? did you go through at this point?
0: <laughs> Slickers 2, The Legend of Curly's Gold. Dear. Ace and throw what nature calls. So. <laughs> no.
4: I was not better,
0: sadly. Shower, no. <laughs> Shower 2 is entertaining.
4: I actually. I think I actually do enjoy Rush Hour 2 more than the first Rush Hour. I
0: think it's because I've seen it. Oh my gosh! Like, how can you keep un- those? How can you even remember the differences? I can because I see I, I've seen those movies quite a bit. Like it's I that could... is like, my
4: go-to silly entertainment is Rush Hour 2 for some reason.
0: Corks
3: too. Yeah. No comment. No, I would don't agree. All right, I think. We will yeah. <laughs> 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 <We're
1: really
3: on. laughs> let's uh, let's get to,
0: let's uh, move on from here. Let's get to our move our film review for Men in Black 3.
1: I promise you the secrets of the universe. Nothing more. So there's some secrets out there that the universe don't know about? Kay! Kay!
3: There is no Kay, he has been dead for over 40 years. What?
1: Somehow, history has been rewritten. There has to be a reason this is
3: happening, and Kay seems to be at the center of it.
1: You're going to send me back to 1969? First. We gotta get high. My man, for real? No, I mean really high. All you gotta do is jump. Ah! You
4: have got 24 hours. After that, there is no coming back.
1: Okay. How do you know my name?
0: So, what you probably should have heard just now is the Men and Black 3 trailer. And moving on from there, let's talk about the movie. Men in Black 3 is, of course sequel of the epic men in black trilogy, which uh once again features Agent J and Agent K, Will Smith and Tommy Jones, as the Men in Black, the extraterrestrial police force that, you know, monitors alien activity taking place on Earth. And this time around, at the beginning of the film we find that Boris the animal, has escaped from space jail. <laughs> That's what I was thinking too, <laughs> space jail.
2: And uh, vows
0: revenge on Agent K for putting him there in the first place. In order to enact his plan of revenge, Boris travels back in time to assassinate K in the 1960s. J realizes this, one of the only people to, and fake, fake Van also figures to time travel back in order to stop Boris before, you know, he's before he's able to assassinate K. Uh, once getting back in time, Agent J meets up with the younger version of K, played by Josh Rowland, and the two, you know, they they uh, try to stop Boris and you know prevent. Disastrous alien activity from occurring, extraterrestrial hijinks
5: ensue, and uh, with that, Maxwell, what did you think of Men in Black Three? Um, well, the first thing I have to say is when the movie started and I saw the space jail, I didn't realize I was also going to be seeing a sequel to Lockout, so that was a nice <laughs> surprise. Uh, beyond that, though, I was actually, you know, pleasantly surprised by the movie. Um, you know, I, everyone pretty much dislikes the second one that I know at least, um, and there was all the stories about the troubled production. So, you know, the odds were stacked against it. So going in, it's a really pleasant surprise. It works on a lot of levels, including a very surprising um, emotional level in the third act that I was not expecting at all and that I thought worked really well.
4: Uh, I think this movie is more fun than it has any right to be. Um, I actually really enjoyed myself. I think the beginning's a little clunky and there's some jokes in there that kind of fall flat. But once you get going and the ride starts, I think it's just it's a lot of fun.
0: I uh, I completely agree with all you just said. Yeah, I think uh, the beginning does open. It opens kind of poorly where I'm like, oh, I hope this isn't like two again. I was already getting that kind of vibe. But as it went along, yeah, I really got engaged with what was happening. And yeah, I continue to admire the presence of Will Smith and Tommy Lee Jones, who's only in it for a short while. But Josh Brolin does a tremendous job, I think, at playing Agent K. It's a younger version of himself. And so I like that chemistry. And, you know, the alien designs are always fun. And I'll talk about more stuff as we carry on. But uh, Mark, what did you think of the movie?
3: Well, you know, I mean, Men in Black 3 shouldn't even exist. There are far more awful threequels than great ones. Um, I mean, it's like Superman 3, Batman Forever. Uh, the, the list goes on. So I was really surprised. I, I really was impressed with this film. And I, I actually, I liked it quite a bit. Um, I, I, you, you've you mentioned the Josh Brolin as the younger version of Tommy Lee Jones, which I thought he was really excellent. And I think somehow his presence kind of raises the game of... Uh, Will Smith, too. He seems kind of reborn in this film, a little bit more, um, I don't know, he, he's just his slick personality and his confidence and everything. I, I really kind of warmed up to it in this movie in a way that I, I didn't enjoy the second one. Um, and he, Rick Baker's uh, makeup effects are amazing. I read somewhere where that he actually produced like 127 different creatures for this film. Wow. And it really shows. I mean, it, it's got like that really sort of joy of discovery as you you're watching the film and and find you know entities that you think are human and then all of a sudden you realize that they're actually an alien and stuff so yeah no i i i really thought it was a a welcome return to the first film abe
2: uh besides that it, i don't think that it's like 100 percent memorable i've had a lot of fun with this movie um I think that the jokes that they put in there were really well placed, especially like the chocolate milk stuff and um, whatever else that Will Smith was doing. I really liked his return on the screen kind of just doing more comedic stuff, uh, less dramatic stuff like Seven Pounds or whatever. Um, So I really appreciated that. I never thought about Josh Brolin up in the game for Will Smith, but once you brought that up, Mark, I kind of see how that can fit into it. Um, And it does make the film better. I did like Josh Brolin in this movie. I did like Tommy Lee Jones except yeah the beginning he was kind of craggy and mean and you're wondering what the hell is his problem kind of thing. Uh, <laughs> at
0: the at the same he's time, always like that. But but at, at the same time there's like and uh, I mean th- there's there's a development that occurs in the right. third act that we're not going to spoil, but the the way Tommy Lee Jones is acting in the beginning is very there's a very specific reason as to why and it's al- it's almost like heartbreaking to see him kind of how he's handling some of the stuff that he's kind of dealing with. He like looks on the verge of tears and stuff. Yeah. It's it's really kind of like sad and it's like, oh this like this, there's a little, there's some nuance going on in a men in black movie which is admirable which is
2: admirable. <laughs> yeah, and you have to wonder about, you know, tying it into the Men in Black frame. I you know, something I thought about um, was what Scott Mendelson had said, which is that Men in Black does very well as a series because then you can really delve into the characters a lot. Uh, and I, for this one, I thought that this one was primarily like an Agent uh, K thing, right? So it, you know, it was really interesting the way that they could make this film and then center it on one character and have his, um, his I guess, plotline develop a little bit more because you know, I think the only things that you remember about Agent K is that he's got his wife that he spies on in the first movie. And then I don't know what else. So yeah, but overall I had a fun time. It was, you know, again, like what Jose had said, if you really let yourself go and you kind of just really enjoy it, then I think that it's a really good ride. Um, But there are some problems, which I'm sure we'll get into, like some of the nuances the only problem I really had is the beginning of this movie, which is where it just
0: kind of, it just felt like it was just fumbling out the gate, where uh, I just, the, the jokes weren't landing very hard, nothing really seemed particularly, like, there was some neat stuff, like, introducing Boris the animal was kind of neat, like, a, and uh, Jermaine Clement from Flight of the Concords, he right. plays Boris, qu- qu- if, if you really stop to think about it, it's a terrifying creature that he is, yeah. like, and it's very... This is a very violent movie. It is. Was, like, definitely... like, like, it, there's yeah. A, there's a lot of death in this movie, which I kind of appreciated in a sense that there's actual stakes right. going on. Like there's like people are dying. Like I'm actually <laughs> in suspense because some people might not make it through this movie, and like it, it, it I think it worked well on that level. But the design for Boris really kind of scary. Like he basically he's this alien that kind of. He can kind of come apart at the seams, and he has like a little detachable thing on his hand that shoots out crazy poisonous darts or something. Yeah, yeah that was really gross.
4: That shot of the thing going into his hand.
0: Yeah, yeah, that shot. But yeah, it just shows this thing going climbing into his hand. It's just like this is some this is some crazy
3: stuff that. Like, I think that's the that's Rick Baker and his sort of imagination. Yeah,
2: he really for a second there. I almost thought that it was it was Tim Curry that was playing the Animal. Yes, that's a good call out. He's kind of like that. If, if this was like an 80s movie, it would have it been Tim been Curry? Tim yeah, cuz <laughs> I was like that sounds like Tim Curry and it kind of looks like him. I'm not really sure. And then I saw the credits after that, like I was like, to... "Oh, it's Jermaine Mandel. The clown the follow the Concord's guy." I,
0: I, I like the thought that he was channeling Tim Curry in his in his process for creating Boris yeah. Yeah. Animal's character. Maybe, yeah. Channeling channeling Pennywise <laughs> from It. Uh, let's, let's talk about Michael Stuhlbarg, because I think he's absolutely fantastic in this movie. Yes. Michael Stuhlbarg plays a fifth-dimensional alien mm. who can see multi- multiple, multiple right. timelines, basically knowing all outcomes of every situation possible. And that in itself is like, there's a whole movie yeah, exactly. right behind that. But Michael Stuhlbarg, who, I, I mean, he's, from, he was in, he's currently in Boardwalk Empire on HBO, and he's also, he was also in the Coen Brothers film A Serious Man, and he was in Hugo as well. He puts this, he brings this character out who's like fascinating and engaging and like he has this warmth to him that there's also this like deep sadness yeah. because of how he can't control anything that's going to happen. And it's just, he's
3: a great character. I was really like, I really love this person. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's real likable. He has like sort of gentle sweetness to him that it was really like engaging.
2: Yeah, and you mentioned like the sadness too. And when they developed that part of him, I was thinking, oh, that is really a, a bummer because he can see all these outcomes. He can't really do anything about it so he's he's always worrying but he i like how he says like oh you know his favorite moment in american or u.s history was just the, the baseball game but later becomes you know something else but it was just it, he's a really good character i liked that you could actually just make an entire movie about him i kind of want to see more of him and more of what he sees and kind of j and k just go investigating that kind of stuff but the,
0: the griffin chronicles yeah exactly <laughs>
2: Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. The Griffin Chronicles, right.
0: Alice Eve popped up for, like, a scene. So she, she was here. She had less to do here than she did in The Raven. <laughs> yeah. Uh, uh, Emma Thompson, kind of same way. Basically, they play different ends of each other. Like, it, it, Emma Thompson is the older version of Alice Eve's version. Like, Agent show, O, right. right, I believe is the character. And there's hints at some kind of romantic involvement between her
2: and Kay.
3: Uh, yeah, that wasn't really developed. I, no, I it wasn't,
2: yeah. And you yeah, had to think.
3: It was kind of like thrown what in
2: there. his wife, right? So I was thinking, like, that, that doesn't fit in with the Men in Black well, this, would be, this
0: would Well, this would be after that. This would be, this would be after he became an agent and had some kind of oh. varied entanglement with another person. Oh, no. Before
2: he, you know. What do you think about the, the cameo of the uh, other Men in Black agent?
0: Oh yeah, Andy Warhol. Uh, Bill Hader is. I think, I, think he's, I think that. I think that joke is really well done. Like I see. You see some of it in the trailer of him as right. Andy Warhol, but I think it works really well here. Like I don't. I don't think it's. I don't think it's too throwaway. I think he actually does a good job of like, what what Andy Warhol would be like if he was an in black agent, where he's basically pretending to be an obscure. Artist of
4: sorts. (laughs) I love his throwaway line of I'm painting soup
2: cans and bananas. bananas. (laughs) (laughs) He's he's talking to the person out, he's just shouting out, you know, it's like,
5: it's transcendent! Because the guy's like eating (laughs)
2: yeti or something
1: like that. The funny thing
5: about that for me was that it basically felt like a riff on his Stefan character on SNL. Oh, I didn't
3: think about that. Oh,
5: yeah. Uh, I'm filming him eating a (laughs) chicken. It's transcendent. It's very funny.
3: Yeah, I I think that's one of the things I liked about the idea of the script in Men in Black 3 is that this time traveling plot allows them a whole range of jokes and things that they can now make by going to the past. So this like going to the uh, Andy Warhol's factory and that the people there are actually aliens and um, and some of the there's a a, a very light commentary about Will Smith as a black man going back to the 60s. Mm. Yeah. And, and so it allows the script to do some sort of interesting things that give give the whole sort of thing a little bit more substance. I mean, it's still – it's a light, right. you know, fun film. But I kind of appreciated those little touches.
0: I, I also – I, I appreciated that being set in the 60s, it didn't make a lot of the obvious 60s jokes. It went, it went for – it went for like clever bits, but it didn't like make the uh, it didn't like have the obvious music cues where you could that you always use when you said right. like something in nineteen sixty nine. It didn't have like the very it didn't have like crazy hippie characters lurking in the background and saying it's like shouting
2: free love for no reason. Like it was
0: it was it, it had a it had a lot of fun with the setting without pants. It's not
2: a dark shadows.
0: Yeah, it, yeah, I would I would agree with that too.
2: Yeah. But I, I appreciated what you had brought up, Mark, about the you know the racial things and the this, the racial divide in America at that particular time. And they touched upon it lightly, but I'm glad that they even touched upon it at all, which is to say that, you know, sometimes you can escape it and it's like, oh, yeah, it was a fun, happy time. But realistically, was it? You know what I mean? And so I'm glad that they at least touched upon it and said something to the effect of, hey, man, it's not a huge deal. <laughs> it's f- like, like you can't you no, can't assume things anymore funny, kind of thing.
3: There's a funny joke, too, when he first uh, you know goes back to the 60s and he, he secures some transportation. Right. And that, that little joke there was just – it was funny. Yeah. Yeah, I liked it.
0: There was a case of,
3: I said this to my, to Scooter, with my
0: friend in the theater when I was watching it, I was like, oh, DWV, driving while black. <laughs> <laughs> it,
5: it's interesting that Dark Shadows was, was brought up, because while I was watching it, I was thinking that it's oddly similar in terms of the jokes it's setting up, but I thought it, it delivered them in a much more witty and, and clever way, yeah. almost <laughs> subversive in some cases. Which is something that
0: I think works well, which which keeps this film in line with the first Men in Black film, which is a film that was also it had a lot of, it had a lot of wit and cleverness to it, along with being you know like a light action comedy. And I think Ben this this movie uh, much more than the sequel like kind of not necessarily brings it back to its roots, but works as like you know a fun standalone film. Like it, it's easy to pick up on this one and just be like, oh yeah, we're just back with these these two guys, and there's you know there's the same kind of irreverence, clever with witticisms happening on in how the screenplay has been developed and whatnot like it, it just works oh man this coffee tastes like dirt
1: what do you expect it's ground. ground this morning oh no i call ladies oh to me o is feminine k is masculine you know i see a couple i'm like okay
0: there's a lot. There's enough there where you kind of appreciate the humor more than just a, a standard kind of eh, this comedy is right. okay. Yeah. But,
2: like yeah. the jokes are actually hitting well.
0: The jokes, are, yeah. Once it yeah. really starts hitting, because as we said, I think the, I think I think the beginning is kind of slow, and so you kind of it kind of throws you back into the world without kind of setting you up for it, I guess.
4: Yeah. There's a lot of little funny tags in the background too. Like I, I know there's one part where, I think Agent J is walking through the MIB office. And you see, like, they're having, like, you know, their current list of aliens that they're yeah. watching. And, like, Lady Gaga's face pops up. And Lady Gaga. I think at one point you see, like, half of Justin Bieber's face. It's yeah, just, just little things like that that are I mean, they're just clever Yao and Ming funny.
2: was there, too. Yeah. Yeah. Was he? <laughs> I was like, oh, like, there's Yao Ming. I guess he's an alien. I, did, I didn't notice Yao Ming. I didn't notice David. What do you think about D- Agent Double A in the parallel universe? <laughs> yeah,
0: I wish there was
1: more, too. <laughs> yeah, me, too.
2: I want, I want to see one of their event, one of their cases. <laughs> that was such like a it was such a weird cameo. I was like, oh, this is actually really funny. It's
0: like it's like I got to go to the the uh the men the men's in blacks room. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that was good.
1: Um,
0: okay, so this movie has time travel. Yeah. I'm a I'm a fan of time travel in movies because I like seeing how it's set up and how the rules are kind of placed for each particular movie. Mm-hmm. Um. I, as much as I like some, how some of it works out in this movie, I'm not a big fan of their their use of time travel in this movie in terms of the logic. I think it plays a little too fast and loose with time travel, for my yeah. Life. I agree. And i i like the i like the visual aesthetic of time travel. I like how like they go back literally like throughout. It's almost like they're going in, like a cycle. Like they're going like all the way through time to get back to the time that they want to go through. Since so like that,
5: you... that was, I thought that was really great.
0: I think that worked out visually, but in terms of the logic presented on how they time travel i had some i, I was kind of like eh, this is well not my especially favorite because time. specifically he says
2: or the the guy who is the son of the the guy who could who could in- develop time travel he was like oh don't run into agent j or agent k and then that's the first thing that happens and then he just, <laughs> yeah, right. he just spills his beans and i'm like what what happened to the logic here shouldn't <clears throat> the parallel shouldn't the universe just implode right now
1: I'm an agent of Men in Black, but I'm from the future. We're partners. Twenty-five years from now, you're going to recruit me. And 14 years after that, the guy you didn't let me kill today he escapes from prison and jumps back in the past and unleashes a full-scale invasion of Earth. We had about 19 hours to catch him and kill him, so really, we need to go right now.
5: All right. Well, and one, one of the um, troubling things about bringing time travel into a series in, in a sequel or a third one is that now all of a sudden it could you have to go back and see how it might affect... The first film's in the series. It has the potential to make the whole thing crumble on itself. Because this kind of, you know, in some ways (laughs) alters some of the things we knew about the first movie. And so I haven't had the chance yet, but I want to go back and rewatch the first one and see how, especially certain events towards the end, (laughs) affect what we thought we knew in the first one.
0: Well, so with that said, the reason I can kind of give it a pass is because... Having watched the first film recently, but even regardless, I really liked. How, I think I because I I honestly think the third act of this film is spectacular. I think on many levels. I think the action. I think okay. So to backstep, I think the um, I think the first two Men in Black films, both of them, um, I think they both suffer from weak third acts. I think they're they kind of have weak endings. I think this Men in Black has the best ending of all of them. I wouldn't necessarily say this movie's better than the first Men in Black, just mainly because of well, I think it I think it's pretty consistent throughout and it's. There's a nostalgia factor there, but I think this movie ends the best. I think it has a, it's satisfying in almost every way, the way they take care of the villain, the way the, the way it's filmed, frankly, the way the action is filmed in that scene, the way Mm -hmm. there, there's there's still some comedy there. And of course, as we mentioned, there's kind of, there's an emotional development, which I don't think any anybody saw coming that I think really resonates quite well. And the reason I can stick, stand by the time travels is the way the way it factors into the series as a whole and how you think of ha- how, how your perception of the characters change because
3: of what develops. I, I mean, I think the ending, I mean, I'm not saying I cried, but I almost wanted to, it was like, I actually found it really emotionally affecting. Yes. And even and, the,
0: fi- the final coda, even like once, yeah, once he's back <clears throat> present time, yeah. and how what's singing the Alicia Keys and surprised.
3: Jay-Z
2: song. Yeah. <laughs>
0: yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
4: I was surprised, I think, just kind of throughout throughout the entire movie, how kind of invested, I guess, I was emotionally in, in you know, Agent J and K. And I think Tom Lee Jones and Will Smith do a really good job of just showing, you know, J has this pain of he can't get to know Agent K. And you see pretty evidently on, you know, uh, Agent K's face that he's kind of keeping all these things inside. And I don't know, it, it just worked a lot well. Better than I thought it would.
2: You know, and I think partially why yeah. it worked too is, Aaron, you brought up that the stakes are, are raised in this movie. There are actual stakes because people can die in this movie. And that component of it kind of makes a better third act as well. Um, so it, it was actually really interesting. And one thing I have a question for, for and all you guys, or anybody can answer, is, is that time travel device, was that a one time use only thing, or he could use it multiple times?
0: That's the kind of thing that I have a problem with because when you introduce time travel, it suddenly makes the plots you can do anything you want to with, with that and beyond the fact that you just have to be really high in order to use time travel the well, there's no limit to it and it seems like well now you now you introduce like a variety of different variables that kind of you can do whatever you, the, the, the rules are kind of broken when you introduce time travel into a movie like this
3: Yeah the way I feel about that is it's already a giant leap of faith to accept that time travel even exists. So once you've sort of made that assumption, I'm kind of okay with whatever they decide to do. I mean, if they go too like crazy or whatever and it doesn't make any sense at all, then it might be a little bit too much. But I, I didn't think this film was, it didn't play with convention too much that I, I couldn't accept it.
5: Yeah, I don't think it was that troubling, particularly because the tone of the film as a whole isn't one where you're going to be, you know, spending hours writing charts about the time travel logistics, like something like Primer, you know, this is a much lighter, you know, film, and, you know, in the first scene when Agent J is talking with the the time travel guy, he's basically saying, I don't know how it works, just do it and figure it out, and you'll see what happens, and... (laughs) So you, you're kind of just set up to be like, okay, whatever. It just, you know, he's going back in time.
1: Yeah,
0: yeah, with, yeah. And that's that's basically. Where, I mean, again, with the third act, which I think is amazing, and the kind of yeah, the the lightness of the tone. Yeah, that's where I, that's why I'm not going to overanalyze it too much. But someone out there will, and there will be a chart. On, on, <laughs> there will,
2: there will,
0: there will, I'll bet you it's already up
2: chart. on like the Daily What.
0: Someone on Reddit that has already plotted out the entire time travel plot for for, uh, for Men in Black Three. Uh, you guys mentioned the stakes of the film. Oh, I mentioned the stakes of the film originally, but the um, the, something I appreciate about the Men in Black series as a whole is there's a besides the fact that the Earth is constantly in peril from various aliens, there's a very there's a blaseness about everything, especially when Kay's handling things where he's good at his yeah, job. Yeah. I think everyone you know that he's good at his job. He does he doesn't really fret over these things where it's like the world's gonna be destroyed. He's like, Yeah, we'll get it done. Like he doesn't he doesn't he never seems worried. And like you can see that in like the first film where it's like there's yeah, always... Yeah, exactly. I was gonna
2: bring that up. like, yeah, so, he explains that in the first film, so, like there's so, always like an arcillian so, battleship so, out there, whatever, whatever, whatever,
0: whatever. Like he's very he's very accepting of the fact that the Earth's in peril and I save it. Like he's very but he's and he's very good at accomplishing that task. And <laughs> I think that's a credit to how well there's a... When you see what Bor what Boris does by eliminating K through time at the beginning of the film, like there's basically this means that something else can happen to the Earth, and the way that's played is like awesome to me, where it's very much in the background that yes. the Earth is basically going to end, and like I love that the movie has like it doesn't focus on this at all, it plays that entirely in the background, and I think that's really like int- I think that's a lot of fun, and it's like a really clever way of handling it, where it's like. Yeah, that's happening. But don't worry about that. Jay's going back in time to fix things like it's really it's very nonchalant about the fact that there's terrible things happening everywhere else, but the men in black are good at their job. So they're going to get things done. Like, I I really enjoy that aspect of that that comes with um, the men in black franchise and like the the politics of the MIB agency where it's, you know, shoot first, ask questions later, it seems in a lot of cases. <laughs>
5: Yeah, I agree with you. I, I thought the the fact that that was happening in the background was really cool. And I don't know how familiar you guys are with the, the TV show Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Yeah. But there's an episode in season three called The Zeppo, which has a uh, similar kind of thing wherein one character is set on a different course than all the rest. And basically the end of the world is happening in the background, but you're focusing on this other character's plights. And it sort of sh- you know makes a contrast between... How important that character is, even though people don't necessarily appreciate it, and I thought that really worked with Agent K, like like Aaron was saying, how you know people may take what he's capable of for granted. I know exactly what episode you're referring to, but uh, yeah, that uh, yeah,
0: it's I found that to be interesting in the film. It's also, uh, credit, but more credit goes to Josh Brolin, I think, in this movie. I think he, yes. I, I really like his portrayal of K. Is really it? it it's be it's more than just like doing the voice and like having. Tommy Lee Jones's impression down. It's like how he ham- how he's literally playing this character, but younger. There's still the same it's kind like that of cool
2: confidence. Kind of. Thing.
0: There's that. There's a cool confidence. There's a dryness to his delivery and humor, and but there's also kind of a there's you can see a, a certain smile in him that's not that's like slowly faded as as he developed into Tommy Lee Jones's character, which I I liked. I liked the added shade of shade of dimension yeah. to Kay's character this time around yes. via yeah. a, a younger version of him.
4: Yeah, I think he does a really good job of showing kind of like uh, who the, who K was before and you it's a big enough difference that you can you know the entire time you're kind of thinking you know what happened to this guy and where what what was it made him you know change that way and I think Josh Berlin one is just really good with that voice and even did like some of the facial tics like when he was uh getting ready to order the pie <laughs> I thought he was just amazing <laughs>
3: You, you guys might remember uh, Aaron and Abe when we um, did the trailer for this film a while back? I actually questioned whether they had just dubbed Tommy Lee Jones' voice in uh, Josh Brown. Yeah, I remember that. It was a small bit. Yeah, and I was like, did they dub his voice, or is he just? And I mean, that's how good this performance is. I mean, and his the like you you guys mentioned the facial tics and the the mannerisms and everything. He he's got it down perfectly, and he he really. I mean. He's great, and I think he kind of like I mentioned earlier. he, he raises I think uh, Will Smith's game in the film too, uh, or uh, yeah, in the movie he he's he's better in this. I I feel like I don't know Will Smith. Last, you know he was in what was the last film he did The Seven Pounds. Seven pounds. I mean it was a very serious film. I I, I like that he's back to doing the kind of thing that will smith does yeah, well. i agree this
0: is really the first time he's this is really the first time he's done something like this in a while the past few films he's done has been fairly dark characters i mean he's had seven pounds and hancock then uh, i am i am legend and the pursuit of happiness like none of these characters are the the charismatic will smith that people you know really love to enjoy seeing on screen like the last right. time he was that might have been hitch i think actually where he's playing, yeah. playing a you know a,
5: a le- like the you know, Big Willie style. <laughs> <laughs> I think, I think the interesting thing too is that you know part of what I like so much about the first Men in Black was the chemistry between Will and Tommy Lee Jones, and somehow Josh Brolin and Will Smith were able to recapture that chemistry. It felt so natural, like they just jumped right into it, and it felt like it still felt like agent Jane and k so the casting besides how great josh brolin is in the film was really shrewd in that they work so well together and it still feels like the same partnership yeah
0: also um let's let's i want to i want to hand some credit to barry Sonnenfeld and like the whole crew and cast in general despite the fact that you know we've been hearing all these reports about how expensive this movie is and they started without a script and stuff like that. It doesn't feel like anybody's been on like, no one like didn't try. It feels like they tried to make this movie work. It doesn't feel like it's just a, a cash in even, I mean, obviously people are getting paid money for this, but I mean, it doesn't feel like they just sat on their laurels and like, well, this is just a men in black movie. We, we don't need to really try very hard. I think everyone did try here. And especially I think Barry Sonnenfeld did a really good job directing this movie. I think the, um, I think his direction was very, very aggressive. And I mean that in terms of his use of, the way he uses his camera in this movie, he, I, Barry Sonnenfeld is known in the past. He was he used to be a cinematographer for the Coen Brothers and um, some Rob Reiner movie. Like he was, he was a well, he was well known cinematographer before he started directing movies, and he did that with the Adams Family films. And um, he and um, Sam Raimi have a very, very distinct visual style when they using kind of crash zooms in their camera and very just moving the camera around very aggressively. And that seemed very present in Men in Black, and more so than I think I've seen. In any of his films since, once again, Adam's Family Values, where he's very in, he's very involved in his camera work here. He, it's very much it's moving. It's very fluid. There's a lot of there's a it's very dynamic throughout the movie. And I, I I really kind of I liked the visual aesthetic of this movie. And I saw it in 3D as well. It was converted apparently. I found that out after the fact, but it wasn't bad. I mean, like as much as I don't care about 3D, like it wasn't bad. It wasn't a bad 3D film. Like it worked for for this.
5: It's interesting you bring up Sam Raimi because the film was shot by Bill Pope, Boom. Um, who also did Spider-Man 2 and Darkman and Army of Darkness. So there's definitely a through line there between um, Sam Raimi and Sonnenfeld and their visual style because same director of photography. Yeah.
0: Yeah. So I was I was impressed by yeah Sonnenfeld's direction because it didn't feel like he was just like, well, I'm just cashing another check on one of these men in black films. But, you know, everybody it didn't seem like it didn't seem like that at all. And I mean, as we've mentioned, the, there's there's an emotional development in this film, which I think goes speaks a long way for why I'm appreciating this film more than I thought I would. Because not only is it not only is it like a fun action comedy, but there's some depth to it, which I did not see coming. Let alone did I not see coming the fact that I like this movie as much as I did. This could have been a huge disaster, but it, it wasn't. It was actually yeah. It was
3: was a big surprise.
0: Yeah, I mean, it's not, I wouldn't say it's not gonna be one of my favorites of the year, but maybe not even my favorite of the summer, but like, it's certainly a good movie. It's certainly a movie that is worth going to see in theaters with a big crowd because I think it's very enjoyable.
3: I I always like it when my expectations are uh, raised or or, or what I expect to happen, it, it, it becomes much better. And this is an example where I really wasn't expecting much and I was really pleasantly surprised. It was... Uh, a lot better. In fact, I, I probably am having a tendency to maybe overpraise the film a little bit because it, it just was so much better than I expected it to be. So I, I was happy to see that. Yeah.
4: Yeah. Yeah. Can we uh, or do you guys mind talking about any of the stuff that you guys felt didn't work? I know we've we've had a lot of good things to say. Um, yeah, yeah,
0: sure. Let's, yeah, let's go. Yeah, let's go into the poor aspects. Yeah.
4: Um, well, right off the top. And I don't know. You mentioned that it's you know, it was a really expensive movie. But did you guys find any of the like CG work to be kind of like really obvious?
0: Um, for obvious, it's more when I notice things like that. It comes down to I think the, the use of practical makeup effects is where I kind of notice it. Just in terms of mm. there's a goofy sort of tone to how aliens are handled this movie, so that it's a kind of thing that's never really bothered me in this series and movies like it, like like Galaxy Quest as an example. Like it doesn't, it doesn't affect, it doesn't bother me. I would say.
4: Yeah, well, yeah, I think you have a good point because I, I think you can definitely tell when when they're using like a green screen or something. But I think you're you're right that the, it just kind of falls in line with the the goofiness of it all.
3: See, I, is... I actually kind of like it when you sort of see the effects now. I, I think we've gotten so far into this CGI and. You know, uh, the Green Lantern was an example of a movie where the CGI was just, uh, it was just awful. I mean, it, and I couldn't <laughs> even stand it. Uh, and the second Transformers film is another example where it's just, it's, somebody needed to say, let's, let's actually spend less money and, and make it a little bit more organic. And I, I actually kind of like it when it's a throwback to, you know, the sort of more, I, I'm not saying that it's, it's a throwback because they are definitely using a lot of uh, fancy effects, but um, I, I, I appreciate the sort of more like practical effects.
0: My favorite moments on this podcast is when Mark goes into his explanation of the Green Lanterns, Galaxy Guardian guys, the guys that sit on the thrones. That that always makes me chuckle when I think of oh, them <laughs> Mark's, Mark's de- description of them as like the glass people <laughs> in the galaxy, but um,
3: they're just a bunch of wet blankets. Yeah, but yeah,
0: Mark, I, I agree with you. It's it's, it's, it's it's there's a there's a certain throwback quality in the Men in Black films in general. I think in terms of like it's all in like. It's all in how they open, like with, the, with like the weird font that they choose and Danny Elfman's score. Like, By the way, I think Danny Elfman's score is better here than it has been in, in any of his it, recent scores. I think, he, I think he actually tried quite a bit here.
2: Uh, yeah, and it's something that you can remember yeah. as well. It's, you know, uh, it it's, plays it's off the of the other ones too, but it's, like, oh, it's memorable. Yeah, it's, it's, the same, and,
0: it's the same theme, but it, yeah, it works.
2: Yeah. He scored yeah. some of the films that we reviewed kind of recently, and we can't remember any of those.
1: Yeah, Dark Shadows had a score. Yeah,
2: again, yeah, they were just using like <laughs> 70s music all the time.
0: <laughs> but, yeah, getting back to the main question, I agree. I agree with what Mark had to say. There's kind of a throwback quality to how the effects are handled. Where it's, it's, I think it's. I, I think that goes to credit to to Rick Baker in terms of this is his work on this movie fits the movie that he's that he was making it for.
3: Definitely yes.
0: Were there other bad things? <laughs> I mean, well, it was mainly in the beginning, no? Yeah, I, yeah, that's where I where I fall. Yeah, the. It just opens kind of poorly, I think. Well, I mean, it op- it opens straight with the... Bo- not the Boris stuff, that's like the very beginning where Boris the Animal comes in, but... uh, Yeah, they got to set him up,
2: though.
0: you got to set him up, but like after that, when you're getting...
1: Right,
0: when you're getting into, you know, Will Smith and Tommy Lee Jones fighting aliens, it's just like, it's there and you get what they're doing, but just like, yeah, some of the jokes aren't landing and it just feels kind of sluggish and it's just kind of setting up a plot, but wasn't really into it, and then in a rare case, it just got better and better as it went along. So,
3: I think also the movie does kind of assume you're already a fan of the series. It, it kind of, you know, they start holding up those little neutralizers. And y- if, if you've never seen a Men in Black film, you might be like, well, what are those things? Or well, how does that work? Or, you know, that kind of thing. So it's sort of, it's already accepted that you already are fans. So now we're going to give you what you That's want. a good point. So yeah. To, to the, uniniti- yeah, to the uninitiated viewer, I don't think the movie would be, I, I think they could still enjoy it, but I don't think it's going to be quite as, you know, uh, they're going to quite feel welcomed into it.
0: But it does play well to people that have only seen the first film and not the second film. I would-
3: right, right. Like, like, I think the, besides. I-, science- I would argue that that's how they should just release it, is skip the second and just.
2: The- I, was if, yeah, I was wondering for- if they are just like, you know what, we've heard what everyone has said about number two. Here's, here's our makeup for, for number two. And we hope that you like it. And if that were the case, yeah, man, I'm down.
0: Because aside, I mean, besides assuming that Tommy Lee Jones is back in Black again after retiring in the first movie, I mean, there's nothing you need to know about the second film that plays into the third film. So I think it works as a, not necessarily a completely standalone picture, because as Mark said, yeah, you do need to kind of have some knowledge of what's going on in this universe. But it does work as a as a sequel to a film with that you don't need to be like completely cut up on the series on to enjoy. And I hate the Pitbull song at the end yes. of the movie. I think that's the they other, agree. <laughs> the other
2: How many times <laughs> oh, did that
3: guy say Dalek? Biggest disappointment. <laughs> yeah, biggest disappointment a, of the movie. is Willow Will Smith Smith's not song. doing a song?
2: If, if they couldn't do that, they should have just like, put in the original Men in Black song. Yeah, or was Willow Smith busy because she's shaking her hair? All right, so I think, I think we've spoken enough about
0: Men in Black 3. Let's get to our rating of the film. Each week on Out Now with Aaron and Abe, we try to rate the film based on when you should go and see it. So we have a scale that goes from IMAX to theater to dollar theater, Netflix, HBO, TV, or just kind of forget about it. So on that scale, let's start how we started. Um, I Maxwell. agree with that. Maxwell, how, okay. <laughs> uh, how,
5: how would you how would you rate this film? Um, I would say go see the movie in the theater. I definitely felt happy paying to see it in the theater, but probably not in 3D. Okay.
0: okay.
5: Jose, where would, you, where would you put this on that scale? <laughs>
4: Uh, I'd say theater go see it with the crowd. I think it plays. Well, with a big crowd
3: Mark Uh, I'm actually gonna say IMAX. (laughs) I really enjoyed it quite a bit. Um, I I liked uh, uh, Josh Brolin and the effects and I I thought it was a nice return to the original film
0: Uh, Yeah, I'll stick with I'll stick with theater I think it's a a fine movie to watch in theaters and enjoy with an audience and yeah Just basically stick with it's my only advice because it gets better as it
2: goes. Abe, where would you put it? That's a dollar theater, uh, and mostly just because you can just go and see it again and again and again for, like, three bucks each. So it, it's a fun to repeat, I think, and, you know, it's fun if you don't have to spend too, too much money on it. Okay, let's
0: uh, move on then to our next thing. we got our movie Callback. Callback,
1: Callback, Callback.
0: And this is where we try to discuss some films that kind of relate in some way to the main feature of the week. And so if anything's that in mind, uh, Abe, any films come to mind?
2: Yeah, Minority Report. Back to the Future, Lockout, and Apollo 13. All of those. Yeah. Well, the Minority Report because, you know, uh, the guy who can see in the future and kind of tell you what's going to happen.
3: Um,
2: I was like, oh, yeah.
3: Abe, way to corner of the market on movies so the rest of us have nothing to say.
2: <laughs> no, Maxwell. Hey. Uh, it's all about having a, habit, Sorry, you know,
5: I, a I, nice progression.
0: All right, so let's get back to movie callback. Maxwell, any movies come to
3: mind that you thought of?
5: Not off the top of my head, beyond what we'd already talked about.
3: That's fine. All right. Mark? Um, the only other th- uh, movie that wasn't mentioned, the all the creatures and sort of the, the fun of seeing all the different uh, creations that Rick Baker came up with, reminded me a little bit of the creature cantina scene in Star Wars. Just when I first <laughs> saw that mo- movie a long time ago, I just really kind of enjoyed all those kind of creatures in that scene. And that's kind of, I have that sort of same sort of joy of discovery in this film.
4: Jose. Oh, um, I think well, Abe took like all of them, but uh, I think I go with a uh, Wild Wild West just because I think I had a lot of trepidation <laughs> going into this movie, and it just turned out a million times better than that. So,
0: all right, um, I'm gonna say Ghostbusters Two came to mind. Just
1: uh, yeah, kind of Ghostbusters
0: Two, Ghostbusters,
1: okay.
0: kind of in the in the tone. Uh, Hellboy Two because of the the that's the last movie I think of that has like just a, a huge amount of practical creature effects in that movie like there's that whole marketplace scene that just has like all these tons of things that have just come from Guillermo del Toro's imagination that I really like and uh yeah Dark Shadows came to mind is because of the similar kind of hey there's a thing here that's not supposed to be in a different time period uh Adam's family in terms of the direction and No Country for Old Men came really? to really Yes. Yeah, oh, just, yeah, absolutely. In terms, in terms of Tommy Lee Jones' character, like just what he's facing and how what's developed his character, I think there's very similar char- similar things present in his role in no, Con- no Country and Men in Black 3, which I found kind of intriguing when, when I was watching it.
5: Well, and you have Josh Brolin. <laughs> yeah, yeah, too. Yeah. Again, not sharing any screen time with Tommy Lee Jones.
3: <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
4: It is not meant to be.
3: <laughs> it's not supposed to happen, apparently.
4: They're the same person. They can't <laughs> meet, you know?
3: <laughs> That's the space-time continuum will not real. allow it. <laughs> <laughs> yes. All right.
0: Um, okay, so let's get to the box office this week. Each week, we try to predict the uh, the box office for the film we're going to review the following week, and we try to do that last week for Men in Black. And with all that said, Abe, what did you remember you predicting last week?
2: Uh, for the four-day total, I think I said 80. Um, Was it 80? He said eighty-two million. Okay. Alan said eighty-eight million. Jordan
0: said ninety. I said seventy-seven, and I was closest but still over. Um, these are still estimates, by the, but by uh, Monday we should find out that Men in Black Three has grossed. A, will have
3: grossed a four-day total of about seventy million. Oh, really? So yeah. a little, a little How up, does that compare with like other it, uh, uh, other movies of the same type? Uh, well, the first two Men in Blacks it
0: compares to, which also which opened on Big Willie weekends back in <laughs> July Fourth, on. In 1987 and 2002, the first one opened to, I believe, 84 million. That was like a six day debut. And the second one debuted to 87 million in a five day debut. And yeah, those were over on July 4th, like weeks, weekends. Yeah, so this one's lower, which I think is expected, but given that it's, you know, a, a fairly a, over, like 10 years later and coming off of a, the second film, which, you know, wasn't well received in terms of, you know, people don't like that movie that much. And, yeah, so I think there's a number of factors that made, and, you know, prequels never quite. Did. Well, yeah, yeah, it changes, actually, so that's not a fair thing to say. But, yeah, it didn't open huge, but it opened pretty big, and, you know, it finally unseated the Avengers from the number one position, so that's something. And it huh. helps set the movies,
3: you know, good. So,
1: <laughs> there you go. <laughs> yeah. uh,
3: it always helps when it's good.
0: Yeah, it, <laughs> I like when that happens. <laughs> I, I like when it's not Transformers, too. I'm trying to pull up the rest here. What else happened? But uh, basically, what the only other thing that opened was Chernobyl Diaries, and that you know didn't make much. And the Avengers probably made another 50 million dollars this weekend. So, I'm actually gonna go I, watch I that, th- I think today or tomorrow again. I might, I might as well actually. I might go see the Avengers sometime this weekend. Again. But, um, yeah, it's currently number four of all time domestically, and it's gonna be, it's gonna outgrow The Dark Knight next, you know, by the end of the week probably. And it probably it's not going to be Titanic like it's not going to make that much money, but it's certainly oh, okay. going to be number three biggest it, until fingers crossed the
3: Dark Knight Rises comes out <laughs> and we prove Abe. All of our predictions except for Abe's are relying on that. <laughs> Basically,
2: come on, lucky
5: seven.
3: But number <laughs> ten counts for just as many points as number as correct having the correct number one sure.
0: position. So you know, we'll see. I
5: did also also hear that uh, Moonrise, Moonrise Kingdom opened in limited release this weekend, and it had the best indie debut of all time, making half a million dollars in just four theaters.
3: That's Yes! Crazy. wow, that's awesome. Wes Anderson!
5: Yeah, I'm excited about that, too. <laughs> that's,
0: that's
2: pretty cool. Yeah, uh, Max, yeah. I
0: believe you and I are the only ones that, here that have seen Moonrise Kingdom so far, correct?
2: Yes. Oh, you've already. it. I've, I've, I've
0: I've watched watched it? Watched it? <laughs> yeah, you're awesome. Uh, yeah, the uh, <laughs> like what I can say about that movie because I think we might do kind of a special Anderson show at some point, like an Anderson, Andr- a Wes Anderson bonus episode. And Maxwell you'd be invited to that actually if you want to. Be. But uh, yeah, we I think we both like that movie quite a bit. I think we'll just leave it there for now.
5: <laughs> I'll concur with that.
0: And it
3: it's going to spread to more theaters very soon, so we'll see where it goes. Matt, uh, Mark, I believe you're a big Wes Anderson fan, right? I I love Wes Anderson. Rushmore is like one of my favorite films, actually. And I like the Royal Bombs. I mean, I like I pretty much can find something I enjoy in everything he's done. I but. can I,
0: I can say this. Oftentimes, when new movies come out from directors that I like, I tend to try to rewatch their previous films. And I I because I'm so busy, I generally fail at doing all of that within before seeing the movie. But I was able to do that with Wes Anderson. I was like, I'm gonna watch all these movies and then see the of Kingdom. And I did that, and I was very happy because I like all those movies. <laughs> but we'll leave that for another time. Let's move on. All right, so, well, oh, I know I know we're moving on, too. <laughs> Abe, you know what we're moving on, I, I think on it to? might be
2: something with a xylophone, but I can't be sure.
0: Well, it sounds a little like this.
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> it is game time. You're Boom, right. Nice. Okay, I have a new game this week, and uh, I credit certain other people for developing this game before me, but I like it enough where I wanted to bring it to this podcast. I'm calling it the ABCs of movies. Ooh. So basically Abe is going to have to write an essay about movies and we're gonna sit here quietly okay. and watch it. Right. That's not the game. basically the game the ABCs of movies is we're each we're gonna kind of go in a line and kind of and name movies that in alphabetical order. So we're gonna go like through ABCs. We're gonna go like Alien to a movie that starts with B to a movie that starts at C. Each one takes a turn, and if you you know you can't think of one, then you're out.
1: Ooh. Oh, that's you brutal.
0: See what I'm yeah, Okay. So what's more brutal is you can't do a movie that has a the at the oh, beginning. Oh, that won't count.
2: Even more oh. brutal.
0: Let's develop an order here. So let's go. I'll start. Then A. Wait.
3: Let me write this down so I know.
0: Okay. <laughs> we'll go. We'll go in alphabetical order. How about that? Okay. So that's. <laughs> so we'll go myself, Abe, Jose, Mark, Maxwell,
2: and then. Wait, what yeah, yeah that's it that's all, that's that's all. Who yeah. about. <laughs> there's like a Stop. ghost on our podcast now okay I shall start abc here we go alien battleship cheaper by the dozen
3: district nine
2: uh <laughs> eagle eye
3: <laughs> am
2: i an f yeah um uh, Fantastic, Mr. Fox, or is it the? No,
0: it's, fanta- it's
2: fantastic. Okay. Um, G Goodwill Hunting.
3: Uh, Harry and the Hendersons. Ivanhoe. Oh. Um, uh, Jumanji.
2: Killer Clowns from Outer Space. <laughs>
4: <laughs> um, Lost in Space.
5: Metropolis. Maxwell. Not another teen movie.
0: (laughs) 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 Oh, brother, where art thou? Uh. Oh. Man.
2: Yeah. You're out. Okay.
0: (laughs) Jose.
4: P. Uh. P. Um.
0: Um. Dang.
5: You're out. Okay.
3: Oh, Oh, I just thought of one. God dang it. I'm P? Yes. Uh, Pulp Fiction.
5: Oh. Mike, you now? Yes. Quintanilla.
3: Good one.
0: Um, Ratatouille. Mm. Mark.
3: Oh, oh, it's mine. Um, uh, Shawshank Redemption.
0: I
2: believe it's the Shawshank.
1: Redemption.
3: Ooh. Ooh. Oh, you can't. Oh, so you don't. You're not counting yeah. the. Just, you are counting. Otherwise, I, I, count, I, I have the
2: Postman.
4: <laughs> I don't know why I thought of Popeye right after I got
2: out. <laughs> I'm lost as to whose turn it is now. It's, it's your 2. turn, and you have... What letter is it? It's still Terminator
5: in. 2, Judgment Day. Oh, okay. Nice. Uh,
0: Yuli's Gold. <laughs>
5: <laughs> Failed it. <laughs> it's my turn again? Yeah. Valentine. Valentine.
0: Uh, Wayne's World.
5: X. Gosh. Uh... I got nothing. Okay,
0: Perfect. that means I'm the winner, and you now think of X-Men, X-Men Two, X-Men Damn. Three.
3: <laughs> oh God! Or Xanadu. Well, Xanadu. All right, Aaron, I'm impressed. <laughs>
4: <laughs> the guy who brought the game won. I'm sorry. What a okay. I, call,
3: I think it was it's always Peck. funny when that happens.
2: It's never coincidence, Mark.
3: <laughs> well, that's how you play the ABCs
0: of movies. The- <laughs> All right, so <laughs> moving on. <laughs> Let's get to what we're going to we're gonna talk about next week. Next week, we have Snow White and the Huntsman comes out. Mm-hmm. I'm excited for this movie to an extent. I, I think it looks pretty cool. I hope it is pretty cool. That, that'd be nice. Mm-hmm. And um, in limited, kind of a limited release, uh, there is Piranha 3 d opens as well. So we'll see how that...
5: I already have my tickets for that one.
0: I <laughs> I wish I did. So I hope that comes out because we really, Leah has been wanting to get back on the show to talk about Parada 3 d So hopefully that comes out. And we'll I
3: was it. wondering when David Hasselhoff was going to make another film. So <laughs> I heard you all upset about
5: not being in the Avengers.
3: Now, now we have the answer. So with all that, um, let's predict
0: some box office for Snow White and the Huntsman. Abe, where do you think that's going to Uh,
5: I'll
2: go. Yeah, I'll, why not? I'll go first, and I'll say fifty
3: million. All
1: right, uh,
3: Mark. Um, I will say fifty is a good guess. So I was kind of thinking of that. Um, oh, let me think. I will say fifty-five million. All
4: right. Who's that? Um, you know, I'm gonna go big or go home. I'm gonna say seventy.
1: Ooh. I don't
4: I think since Stewart's going to bring her Twy Hearts to the theater maybe. Um, uh, Max,
5: well, I think I think it's going to be a little lower than that, but you know, I think it could flirt with 60, 58, 60 or so. All right.
0: I'll put
5: 59.
4: <laughs> 59. <laughs> <laughs> the price is right strategy.
1: Yeah. And yeah, I don't I'm not sure
0: either. I'm not sure where to come away with it. I don't think it's going to bomb or flop. I think it'll probably be number 1. But, well,
5: I mean, I think Chris Hemsworth has a lot of goodwill now after the Avengers. Yeah, and Legal I like
0: help. I like the marketing for this movie, and they yeah. they use the words from the producers of Alice in Wonderland. So,
5: <laughs> <laughs>
0: but I, that that will work. I mean, <laughs> it does work. So, but I'm still going to go a little bit lower than you guys. I'm going to say 47. That's a good guess as well. A little lower range. Yeah. But uh, yeah, we'll
3: find out next week, and you know, we'll see. We're all kind of similar.
0: Yeah. I, we're all kind of excited for this movie, too, right? Agreed. Yeah. Yeah, I think it looks
5: really cool.
0: <laughs> all right, so with all that said, that's going to do it this week for Out Now with Aaron and Abe. You can find more of my work at my personal blog, thecodedzeek.com, where you can find all my written movie reviews, as well as at ysoblue.com for various blue air reviews, and you can find me on Twitter at twitter.com slash aaronps3.
2: You can find more fun stuff at walrusmoose.blogspot.com, two animals, walrusmoose.blogspot.com, and twitter.com slash walrusmoose.
3: Mark. I also write for my personal blog, Fast Film Reviews, dot wordpress.com it's fast film reviews all one word and uh, you can also follow me on twitter mark underscore Hobin.
5: uh max uh you can find my writings at the focus dot com and you can follow me on twitter at twitter dot com slash max l had and uh okay, do you have any links you could can... um i've
4: recently started trying to blog it's very sparse right now but i'm gearing up so that'll be at a uh, the thoughtful slacker dot dot com cool
0: and that's about it cool and uh yeah thanks guys for coming on this week mark you've been here plenty of times but it's always nice to have new guests as well so maxwell and jose thanks for joining us
5: thank you for having me
0: yeah
4: thanks a lot guys it was a lot
0: of fun this was cool yeah it's always great to be welcome back yeah for sure and you know it's helpful that we you know all kind of i mean maybe not for the discussion but it's nice that we all kind of like the movie because it's certainly nice to not recognize it as a disaster but a success and uh you can find all the other episodes of out now with Aaron and name at itunes At com, We can find all of our episodes there, as well as other great shows on that network, including the Walking Dead TV podcast and Legion of Dudes and other fun shows about comics and games and movies and stuff. A lot of cool guys over there. Uh, You can find most of the new episodes at outnow.podomatic.com and some exclusives. You can also email us at outnowpodcast at gmail.com and report any guests that you think might be a possible alien as well as make sure that you can you can write us about, about Abe and how Avengers is doing really well and make sure to make him feel really good so when he takes his big dark fall in August after we realize that Dark Knight Rises made tons of money he'll be you know crying himself to sleep every night that was long that was a long one <laughs> <Sing>. <laughs> you can also uh, make sure you know, follow our page at facebook.com slash outnowpodcast or follow us at twitter.com slash outnow underscore podcast all the shows and updates and what have you in those two areas so you know feel free to follow those and like those it's you know cool to have new people liking our stuff and i think that's going to do it so yeah next week no white and possibly piranha uh but yeah until next time so long and goodbye
1: your back y'all here I come y'all <laughs> for years I've been trying to rip rhymes and get mine to spit lines hot like lava this time I don't got a sitcom to bother with over time conflict with myself I hit some contemplating each statement's wit and I'm concentrating on making hits and I'm fitting them line by line teeth I'm gritting them trying to find a perfect rhyme and scheme I'm dreaming about y'all gleaming doubt he's back from acting, he's screaming out. How he rapping, now he's devout. Every album track packs what he's about. In the past, he passed with passion. Old-fashioned, boldly mashing, totally crashing. Words up in a sorely fashion. But back to the lab and guess what happened? Dude's resilient. Fresh Prince was hot. The movies killed him. Wait, hold up, stop! You can rebuild them, lock them back in hip-hop or dudes not filming, shocked by the film And the TV money, went from scenes with Uncle Phil the scenes with Sunny. it's so hard to break free From a guaranteed 20, but it's done So come see me, MC, honey Here he comes, he can rock He can breakdance and he can pop Then I saw this uh, snarling beast guy, and I noticed he had a tissue in his hand. I realized, you know, he's not snarling. He, he's sneezing. You know, ain't no real threat there. And I saw a little Tiffany. I'm thinking, you know, eight-year-old white girl, middle of the ghetto, bunch of monsters this time of night with quantum physics books. She's about to start some shit, Zed. She's about eight years old. Those books are way too advanced for her.